Hi, Josh Sorrell here from Sandhill FWB Church in Sandusky, Ohio. The podcast that you're about to enjoy was given live before our congregation here at Sandhill, and we pray that this podcast will encourage and challenge your walk with Christ. For more sermons like this, as well as additional Christian content, visit our website at www.sandhillfwb.com or check out our social media pages on YouTube and Facebook, keyword Sandhill FWB Church. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 7. Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Let's read it again. Unto you, is that you? Unto you therefore which believe he is precious. Let's read it again. Unto you, therefore, which believe, he's precious. Here's the thing. You can't really believe in him not be precious. Because if you know if you know who he is, he is precious. So if he's not precious, then maybe you don't believe, because it says, unto them who believe, he is precious. Amen? Amen. So let us now stand and honor God's word. And uh, he's just so good. And this text is just so good. Romans chapter 8 and verse number 30. Moreover, whom he did predestinate, them he also called. Whom he called, them he also justified. Whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Let's read it again. If God be for us, who can be against us? Amen. No one. No one. Amen. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. Who is he that condemneth? It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again, who is even at the right hand of God, who also maketh intercession for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Read it again. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation? No. Or distress? No. Or persecution? Nope. Or famine? Or nakedness? Or peril? Or sword? Nope. 
as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. Amen. For For I, for I am persuaded. For I, I am persuaded that neither death nor life, not even angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. Let us pray. Lord, I'm just humbled this morning, Lord, at your word, how precious that it is. Lord, what you are doing with these people. Lord, the smiles on their faces and the joy in their hearts is overwhelming this morning. God, this is all about you what you are doing. God, may we take our hands off, Lord. It's not about us. Oh, God, it is about you. Lord, as we turn to your word this morning, it's still all about you. It's not about us. May we go away this morning with that confidence, God, that, Lord, there's nothing can take this away from us. God, may we um, walk in victory Lord, knowing that, Lord, we are on, uh, uh, that we are with you in victory, God, I pray in Jesus' holy name, and amen. Amen. Can't see with them on, can't see with them off. <clears throat> so, I, I know I say this to you guys, uh, I'm, I'm just going to try and preach a Bible this morning, but I know I say this all the time, and um, I, I don't feel that I need to argue this morning, but <clears throat> one more time, let me, let me throw this at you. If we were on a desert island, this whole entire group of people right here were on a desert island, we had never seen the Bible before, we had never been in church, we had never talked to grandma, we had never been raised in a denomination, we had never been taught anything, and we were just on an island, and someone dropped the Bible down to us, and we read it, what conclusion would we come up with? Because, you know, if you read the Bible with a preconceived uh, notion of what it means, then you'll twist it around. But if we read this text and let it say just what it says, let me tell you, it says just what it says. It, it doesn't stutter. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not even confusing. The only thing that's confusing about this text is what we've been taught. What you've been taught, what you've heard grandma say, what, what you believe some denomination has taught you. But if we just let this say what it says, uh, it, it's, it's pretty clear what it says. Okay? So that's what we're going to do this morning. <clears throat> so let's, uh, let's just look at it. Uh, um, such a precious text. But it, it is talking about the love of Christ. What shall separate us from the love of Christ? I am persuaded nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, um, it, it's, it's saying about the love of Christ. That's what it is talking about. So the first question I want to ask is, what are we talking about when it says the love of Christ? Now, <clears throat> someone could argue and they could say, well, I believe this is saying that God loves everybody, and no matter what we do, God will love us. That's true. 
But is that what this text is talking about? Listen, if we take it in context, being justified doesn't have to do with everybody that God loves. Uh, who will condemn us doesn't have to do with everybody that God loves. It is specifically referring to salvation. Right? It is not talking about God. You could say, well, I believe it means that if you're saved, God loves you. And if you mess up, God still loves you. But listen, this is talking about the, clearly in the context. You can study it for yourself. It is talking about those who are saved. He said he, he said he freely gives you the gift of salvation. He said God justifies you. Who can condemn you because Christ died for you? It's talking about salvation. So if the love of Christ is referring to, uh, let me put it in how I understand it. And put it how I understand it. I love all the kids in this church. I feel like all the kids in this church are like my kids. But can I let you on a little secret, Sister Georgie? I love my grandkids a little bit more. Any grandparents with me? All right? I, mean, I love all the kids. But when you're in my family... You're my family. See, I'm in God's family. He loves everybody. You know, God loves everybody. But can I tell you, I'm his boy. I'm his boy. I'm his family. Can I tell you, I'm blood. We say that about family. Don't we? That's blood. Well, I'm blood. I'm blood bought. I, I, I'm his family. And he loves me. And I believe this is the love he's talking about here is it is that family love you only get when you're part of his family. Does God love sinners? Yes, he does. But you're not part of the family. Will God help sinners? Yes, but you're not part of the family. But when you're part of the family, God loves you like his own child. I don't know how we get our brain around that. I don't know how, because this is what the Bible teaches. You know what the Bible teaches? I don't have time to go back into it, but you know what the Bible teaches? God loves me like God loves Jesus. Can anybody get their brain around that? <laughs> no. If you can, you are lying. <laughs> you can't get your head. The way God loves Jesus is the way God loves me. Can we just stop and say, wow? Wow. He loves me like he loves Jesus. And he said that love, the way I feel about it, he said nothing can take that away from you. Nothing can separate you from it. So then the next question that we want to ask is, we're just kind of understanding what the text is this morning, but if the love of Christ is referring to salvation, then what does separate mean? It says nothing, who shall separate you from the love of Christ? So what does separate mean? What does separate mean? Do we know what separate means? It means putting something between you and the love of Christ. What can do that? If Christ loves you, if God loves you like family, what is there that can separate that love that Christ has for you so he won't have it anymore. The answer? Nothing. The answer? Nothing. Maybe you don't know that. This is good news, people. This is good news, okay? This is good news. 
And you say, I don't think I agree with that. That doesn't line up with my doctrine. Well, I'm, I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You can go home and study it for yourself. You can go figure out what you mean. You can come with your own doctrine. I'm just telling you, this text says very, very clearly, it says that nothing will separate us from that love that Christ has for us. Amen. Nothing can. It, it, you know, it's, it's like Paul is in verse 35 and in verse 39. It is like uh, in, in verse 38. It is like Paul is trying to name off all, all the things maybe you're thinking. Maybe angels can. Maybe maybe problems in life can. Maybe all these things can. But then Paul says, listen to me. There's nothing can. Nothing can separate you from that love. Amen. So this is referring to salvation. I, I love how how strong the language is. You, you do what you want to with the language, but if you just read it for what it says, it's a very strong language. Verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? Who is God's elect? It is born again Christians. Who can accuse us of anything. Now, how many of you know the devil is the accuser of the brethren? How many of you know he brings accusations against us? How many of you know sometimes other people bring accusations against us? But this says, I imagine it so boldly and so proudly, uh, it is as if God steps up and says, wait a minute, I'm the one who said they are justified. And there ain't nothing you can say to change that. If you understand justified, I've tried to say this before, but if you understand justified, just, listen, you got to get this, this is really important. Justified does not mean you are righteous. It means God says you are righteous. Do you understand that? Because you ain't righteous. But God says you are because of his son. So when you get saved, I've said this so many times, when you get saved, you come down an altar and you, and you get saved. You, you may have gotten drunk last night. You, you may have, uh, you know, uh, slept around. You may have done all kinds of sin, but you come down and get saved. And when you get up, God said, that one right there is righteous. That one right there is holy. Now, what's the devil going to do with that? Because God said they're justified. And that means to legally declare as righteous. So God declares you righteous. And it's to me, it's as I read this verse, it's as if God is saying, I am the supreme ruler of the universe and I say they are righteous. Who wants to challenge me? Who wants to take me on? Who wants to dare say this one that I say is righteous is not righteous? Because you can't do it. The devil steps up and says, ah, they did this, they did that, they, they failed here, they failed there. And God said, I said, I, I said, they're justified. Now, here, here's the theological question. If the devil and God fight, who wins? Okay? If the devil and God fight, God wins every time. Listen. I think we have this twisted theology that says God is great, but the devil's second place. No, 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 no. God is great, and the devil's a little peon. It doesn't matter to nobody. 
He's dust. He's dirty. He's a created being. He is nothing. And he will be, he will be locked up forever in a lake of fire. He is nothing. And he touts himself around. You know, the Bible says he is as a roaring lion. It does not say he's a lion. It says he's as a roaring lion. He makes a lot of noise. He, he causes a lot of fear. But he is nothing. And compared to my God, he's less than nothing. But we listen to the devil. Can I tell you, we ought to be listening to God? And so... God said, I justify. It says, verse 34, who is he that condemneth? Who can condemn a Christian? It is Christ that died. Has anybody ever heard this expression? The old time preachers used to say it a lot. It's a really good expression. Somehow we don't say it anymore. But we talk about the finished work of, of Christ when he died on the cross his last thing he said as he was hanging there on the cross was to tell us die painful it's done there, there, listen there's nothing else to do there's nothing else to do you here's what you got to understand you can't add to what Christ did if Christ died for your sins you can't help him out you can't be a little, you know, I mean, Jesus died for me, but I got to help him out get me to heaven. No, 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 no. <laughs> no, no, no. He paid for your sins in full. It, it is paid for. To tell us die. It is finished. It is over. It is done. It's paid in full. No one can charge you again. Can I say it this way? I got a clean title to my mansion. You know, I don't, have, I don't have a clean title to my house. Someone else owns it. I just live in it. <laughs> right? But I got a clean title to my mansion. It's paid. For, you know, there's no payments. Praise God. Can we stop right there? There's no payments. There, there's, there's not any, even any taxes. Yeah, we don't have to pay insurance on it. I ain't worried about it burning down. My mansion is paid for in full. See, if you owe a mortgage on a house, they can come and take that house away from you. But if you don't owe a mortgage, that is your house. And God, Jesus, paid for my salvation, and I don't owe anything on it. I know people have abused this. I know people have taken this wrong. I know people have, have misused that. Maybe you will misuse this this morning. Uh, that is between you and God. But I am just telling you that the Bible teaches us that, that our sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ, and there ain't nothing can take that away from us. All right? <clears throat> but now, isn't it true? Isn't it true, people, that a whole lot of things are going to try to a whole lot of things going to try to. Can we start with the biggest culprit? Do you know who the biggest... Now, you, you can argue with me. We, we can argue about this later. But you know who the biggest culprit trying to take away your salvation is? It's the devil. No, it's you. No, it's you. It's not the devil. Because <laughs> you try really hard to ruin your salvation. And you do a lot of things that would make sense that it would take away your salvation. 
But this text teaches, now, <clears throat> I read this, you can read it any way you want to, but Paul writes this long list of things, and in verse 39 he gets down and he says, nor any other creature. The word creature means things that are created. So how many of you here this morning are part of the ones that are created? So he says, you can't take it away. I don't know if it's getting anywhere with you guys, but listen, this is about Jesus. It isn't about you. That's what we've got all mixed up in the churches today. We've, we've, we've made up a religion. It's about you. And, and we talk many times about the church where it's about what you want and, and what, how you want church. But there's also another side of it where the church is about how good you are and what you do and what you bring to the table and what you offer God and what God gets out of you. But Charles, shouldn't God look down and say, I am so thankful I got them saying, hill people, look at all the hard work they did. No, that's just silliness. That's just silliness. Does God, how many of you think God could have put on that nativity scene without us? Right? <laughs> he don't need us. We're, we're nothing. One of you testified, uh, just thankful that I got to be a part of it. That's the way we got to look at it. It isn't about us. We got to be a part of it. God's doing great things. He just lets us be a part of it. We just get to be on for the right. So there are a lot of things that try to take us, to separate us from the love of God. Other people sometimes try to separate us from God. Has anybody ever had another person... Um, disappoint you, let you down, do something that they shouldn't have, offend you, say something harsh to you, and, and you felt like you are trying to take my salvation away from me. All right? Because of the thoughts I'm wanting to do to you right now. No? <laughs> but but uh, you are trying, listen, you can't take your salvation, you can't separate you from, from Christ, and other people can't separate you from Christ. Maybe the devil can separate us from the love of Christ. Maybe the devil can. I said this before, but let me say it again. So if the devil can take your salvation away from you, why hasn't he already done it? Why hasn't he already done it? And if he can and he hasn't yet, you need to get down on your knees and say, thank you, Satan, that I am still saved. I praise you that you did not take away my salvation because you could if you wanted to, but you are so gracious to allow me to keep it. Thank you, Satan. Is that good theology? Listen to me. We take what the Bible says. Satan can't take it away from us. You can't take it away from us. Satan can't take it away from us. Other people can't take it away from us. Because God said, what shall separate you from the love of Christ? Nothing. No, nothing can. No, nothing can. Um, so let's look back, and I know this verse is used for a lot of things, and, and we maybe we can take it by expansion to use it for other things. But look at verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? So here's what I have wrote down. Maybe you want to write this down. Everything that will try to separate us is less than God. Is that true? Everything that will try to separate us is less than God. If it was not less than God, it might separate us. But everything that will try to separate us 
it's less than God. Now, theologically, I believe the Bible teaches that God's hand holds onto me. So what is there in the universe that can break the hand of God? Who can do it? Who wants to try? Who will challenge God? It, we learned in First Peter, we didn't make a rule, we didn't make a big emphasis to it, but we studied it Wednesday. It said we are kept by the power of God. So that means Satan has to pry his fingers off of God's fingers off of me to get to me. Anybody think he can? See, the power of God holds us, and everything is less than that. <clears throat> now, here's, here's just a little bit of honesty, because I, I, I'm guessing some of you are, are, are right here right now. Separating what we know from what we feel. Is that true? So if you are, know that you are saved and you mess up. Any, are there any Christians here this morning who since you have been saved, you've done some pretty bad sins? All of you need to say yes, by the way. Okay? All of you have. All right, starting right up here in the pulpit. All of you have done some pretty bad sins. Don't you feel like at that time, God couldn't possibly love me? Isn't that how you feel? So your feelings tell you one thing, but this text tells you another. Which one are you going to go with? This text tells you that nothing can separate you, but your feelings say, as bad as I messed up, God can't love me. Can I tell you, you were wrong? Anybody ever, ever felt like, I don't think God can love me? I have. I have. Anybody ever felt like they've, I've messed up so bad he doesn't want anything to do with me anymore? Anybody ever have the devil jump up on your shoulders and say, you really think he'll take you back after what you did? But listen, the devil doesn't get to say, God gets to say. And aren't you thankful that he loves us when we mess up? When we sin, I'm, I'm not up here encouraging you to mess up. I just know you're going to mess up. Okay? You're going you're gonna to do things you shouldn't do. And, and we have a track record, and that track record says we sin. Okay? I hope we're getting better at it, but we do sin. So, so we read this text, we say this text doesn't seem right. We read this text and say it doesn't line up with how I feel. We, we read this text and say, I can't really make sense of how this works with everything I see in life. But here's what we got to do, people. This text is true. This is the Word of God. This is right no matter how you feel. This is right no matter what you see. I preached last Sunday night. I said that I was really struggling. Maybe you didn't understand why I'm struggling. Do you understand why I preached this message this morning? And last Sunday night, I preached a message about if you don't endure to the end, you're not going to go to heaven. Do you understand why there's some conflict in my mind, how those two things work together? But can I tell you, it's what the Bible says. I don't have to understand it. I have to believe it. And it is what the Bible says. You have a choice this morning. You can go on your feelings. You can go on what you've always been taught. You could do what the Bible says. Okay? So, write this down. I think, it's, I think there's a line in your notes. Write this down. You can go home and study it. You can disagree with me. You can say I'm wrong. But 
I believe clearly this is what the Bible teaches. We cannot undo what Christ has done. Boy, I should have got at least one amen on that. We cannot undo what Christ has done. If Christ paid for all of my sins, how do I undo that? <laughs> how do I undo that? Now, let me let, 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 just think about this a little bit. <clears throat> I'm, I'm just taking a wild guess here, but I'm thinking there's nobody here that's over 2,000 years old. Is anybody here over 2,000? Raise your hand. Okay, I know after last night, a lot of us feel like when I went to bed last night, I felt like I was older than that, right? But, but I'm not over 2,000. I just, I just feel like I am, okay? But I want to ask this question. When Jesus Christ died on the cross and paid for your sins, how many of your sins were future? Did that sink in? All of them. So he already, so the ones I haven't yet committed, because I'm going to, the ones I haven't yet committed and the ones I've already committed, all of those were future, but he paid for all of them already. Are we getting this? Okay, so it's already paid for. So we can't undo what Christ has done. So I have three points for you. Uh, um, uh, I, I want us to, so this message is not a beat you up. This is not a scold you. This is not a uh, um, how bad you people are. This is a message of information that we need to change our way of thinking. But point number one, we battle from victory. Can we just say amen? We battle from victory. If we're going to do OCC, if we're going to do youth camp, if we're going to do a nativity scene, if we're going to do whatever we're going to do, we don't start from the position of wonder how this will turn out. We start from the position of we're victorious. Do you see how that changes things? We come here this morning because we've already got it in our rear view mirror and we say we're victorious. No, 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 no. We should have been victorious before we ever started. We battle from victory. Instead of, well, hope this works out. It's not too much of a disaster. <laughs> Do you guys get how we need to think, change our thinking? We are victorious. We already have the victory. Nothing can defeat us. Uh, um, God be for us. Who can be against us? We're on the winning side, by the way. There is no logical person who could think a church our size could put on a nativity scene like we put on. That didn't make a bit of sense to nobody. But we did. We did. There's no one would think a church like this could draw out thousands of people. Listen, I looked down. I, I, it was like a dream. It was like a fantasy I had. I don't know if anybody else seen it or not, but it just, it just really did something to me last night. I, I, where I was staying with Brother Miguel, I looked down, uh, I looked down um, what road that is, Main Street, I guess, uh, I looked down. I looked down the road, and they were like eight wide, almost as close as they could be for as far as you could see coming. It was like a four-lane highway of people coming. I'm thinking, what in the world? It was like Cedar Point. I'm thinking, what? And then, and then there were just so many people. It was just unbelievable. Do you guys think we did that? 
we battle from victory. Make no mistake about it, we're in a battle. Make no mistake about it. He didn't call us to, uh, um, uh, you know, it's been said so many times, we're not on a luxury uh, uh, cruise line, we're on a battleship. The enemy's fighting with us. We're in a battle. We're not going to do these things without resistance. We've heard that this morning. There was a resistance. There was obstacles. But listen, we're victorious. Here's the thing, people. I'm not, I'm, not here, I'm not here to scold you. I'm here to give you information. We face some obstacles this week. You know what our mindset needs to be next time? Oh, we already got that. Panic ensues, uh, fear ensues, uh, anxiety ensues. All these things come to our mind, and we start, we start to say, what are we going to do about this? What are we going to do about You know what we need to say? This ain't going to be no problem. I know who God is. <laughs> that would change everything, people. I, I know that we have to learn. I was thinking during the testimony, I know we have to learn how great God is, and I know we have to learn that he's trying to get us to understand how great he is, but can I just say he's great? And we, we can start, we can do these things and we can do great things, but we've got to understand we battle, though we will battle, we battle from victory. And every obstacle that comes up against us, we ought to look at it and say, I already beat you. I already beat you. We were running out of something, I already beat you. Wind's blowing everything over, I already beat you. Don't have enough people, I already beat you. Someone makes a snide comment, I already beat you. Do you guys get how that changes everything? If we battle from victory? I don't want this to be, I want this to be a cheerleading message this morning. But do you guys get how most Christians, I think we're changing in this church, but do you guys get how most Christians battle from defeat? They go into it, well, I didn't figure it'd work out before we started. I figured it'd be a total flop. And I figured they people let me down. And I figured someone would be negative. I figured they wouldn't show up. <laughs> people, that's not the attitude. That's not how we do this. We go into it saying we have the victory. Amen? I many of you, uh, um, Sister Tina, you ever watch a football game, but you already know who won? It's been recorded. Do you sit there and you already know your favorite team's already won? You already, it was four hours ago. Do you sit there and say, oh, I'm biting my nose. Is he going to make that field goal? I don't know if he's going to make it. Oh, my gosh, he's old. No, you say, hey, we already won. <laughs> they, they can tackle him as many times as they want to. Hey, we're going to win this thing. Does anybody get that? That's exactly how life is. But don't we as Christians, even though we say we know how this thing turns out, don't we bite our nails thinking, I don't know if he'll make that field goal? We're scared to death. So we battle from victory. <clears throat> Number two, we have a mental state of victory. A mental state of victory. Now, I know the answer to this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is there anybody here ever had some defeating thoughts? Any of you have some defeating thoughts this week? <laughs> okay. Has it ever crossed your mind that those defeating thoughts cannot, write it down, 
cannot come from God. So where are they coming from? They're not coming from God. They're not coming from God. Um, I confessed my sins to Renee this morning. I'm not going to confess my sins to you. But I didn't do very good this week. I'm just, I just didn't do very good. The devil was messing with my head bad. I mean, really bad. And last night, I was standing at the nativity scene. Jamie, I thought about you, honey, when you, what you told me. I told her, I said, everybody in the church, just, Jamie's the one who told me this. I talked to her this week, and she said, I, I don't even know if she realized what she said, but I was having a really, really, really bad week, and I hadn't told nobody. And I, I didn't want to lie to her, and she asked me, and I thought, I don't want to lie, but I don't want to tell her either. But I thought, she said, hey, I'm not doing very good. And she said, it's Satan doesn't want us to enjoy the nativity. And I got there last night. I don't know if anybody else has ever had this experience or not, but all week long I was not in a good frame of mind. And I got there last night and I got to look around at what God was doing. And this is what God said to me when I was standing there at the nativity. Do you see how those were lies you were listening to all week long? It's lies. But you believed it. And you should have you should have been believing me instead of those lies. But your pastor has to stand here this morning and ashamedly say, I was believing the lies because they looked real. They looked real. I'd argue with Renee. At one point, Renee was arguing, we were talking, and she says, Listen, snap out of it. Quit thinking like that. And of course, I proceeded to tell her, This is real. <laughs> I needed smacked right then, by the way. <laughs> I need a smack right then, by the way. But I was man enough. You, you brothers listen to me. I was man enough. I got in the car this morning, and I said, honey, we got to talk. I was wrong, and I wouldn't admit that I was wrong. I sinned. I allowed the devil to mess with my head, and I should have been saying no. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Is anybody that was there with me? I think I've seen some of you guys in passing down through there. <laughs> I think I've seen some of you guys. Listen, we need to battle from a position of victory, but we also need a mental state of victory. And what a mental state means is I am going to think like a victorious person, and I'm not going to allow defeating thoughts in my head. I can't do this. I don't know how to do this. Nobody else wants me to do this. People don't like me. Um, I, I, I have too many problems. I can never do anything for God. Or I've messed up and God doesn't. Listen, those are defeating thoughts. Put them out of your head and think about Jesus. Now, here's what you guys got to understand. We've been beating this in your head, but this is what you guys got to understand. It isn't about you. It isn't about you. You get so caught up on you, and Jesus said, I didn't even pay attention to you. It's about me. <laughs> You're wondering if we can do this, and I'm not even thinking about you. Jesus is not saying, well, if Charles does what he's supposed to, we'll have a really good nativity scene. No, he says, I don't really care. Charles doesn't matter. That's not an offense to you, brother. <laughs> you don't matter. 
None of you matter. Josh isn't going to be here. What are we going to do? It doesn't matter. It isn't about us. It's about Jesus. So we have that mental state. Then what we realize is we're victorious. But I want to challenge you before I go any farther. I want to challenge you right here. I wish some of you'd write it down big, plain, and straight on your paper. I wish you'd take it home, put it on your refrigerator. I wish you'd, I wish you'd memorize it. I, wish you'd, I am going to stop those defeating thoughts. I am not going to dwell on those defeating thoughts. I'm not going to allow those defeating thoughts. And listen, listen to me. Listen to me. God cannot put a negative thought in your head. Let me say it again. God cannot put a negative thought in your head. But we have a lot of them, don't we? They're not coming from him. They're coming from Satan. Or they could be coming from you. <laughs> they could be coming from you. So we have to have a mental state of victory. And that just simply says, I'm not going to think defeated. And lastly, I don't mean for this to be a, uh, again, I'm not here to scold you or beat you up. I am here to give you doctrine. It is unbiblical to live defeated. It is unbiblical to live defeated. This verse right here is these scriptures right here. Of our, it says we are more than conquerors. Through him that loved us. Verse number 37. We are more than conquerors. Listen, we're going to be in a battle. We're going to have problems. We're going to get knocked down. We're, we're going we're to stumble. We're going to mess up. But we are more than conquerors. It doesn't say we're conquerors. It says we're more than conquerors. We done went over that. So if we understand just this text alone and a multitude of others, do you guys get how whenever I start thinking, I don't think God can do anything with me anymore? That's unbiblical. Do you guys get that? It's unbiblical. Now, what does unbiblical mean? It means you are going against God. Is that what it means? Does anybody here want to go against God? You're being unbiblical. You're going against God when you entertain thoughts uh, that 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 you can't do this, that you're not good enough, that you're a bad person. Um, I know even last night, um, Renee was telling me about, about Sister Tina, uh, what, what she did yesterday at the Nativity, but, uh, and Sister Tina has testified about it so times, but many of us are being put in positions and we say, God, I can't do that. God, I can't do that. That's not comfortable. That's not where I want to be. God said, I ain't talking about you. I'm talking about me. Get out there and do it. Get out there and do it. If you guys would have seen Brother Miguel last night, it was it was absolutely phenomenal. I, I don't know how he did it physically, I'll be honest with you. But he was he was quoting that thing so fast and so hard, and he would literally no more than get through telling it to this group of people. And I'd say, Miguel, we got 20 over here, want to hear you. And he'd go over and tell them. And, and he did that for, for two and a half hours. And, and I, at one point I looked at him and I said, Miguel, are you okay? Because I thought, I don't know how he's doing this. And, and he said, this is the exact words, I need Jesus. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he said. And, and, and he was, it was, it it was beyond Miguel, but can I tell you, God used him. I saw people standing. I saw people standing there in front of him, and they said, "I never knew that. 
I never knew that. Sister Georgie said that somebody told her, I don't know who it was, that this is what they said. I'm going to go in here and see what they have to say about this Jesus guy. We told him. We told him. But there are a lot of thoughts that come to our mind. See, do you guys realize, let, let, me, let me just simplify this real good for you guys. Do you guys realize how simple camp is if we just get it in our head none of you guys matter? So, here, here's a good one. Here's a good one. Okay, here's a good one. We're having a camp work day. Three quarters of you go to Cedar Point and only, only a quarter of us show up. We didn't need them anyway. I like what Tina said. We're going to make this a rule. We're going to make this a new saying. I, I was going to tell her in private, but, but we're going to make this a new saying. I don't have to be here. I get to be here. They had to go to Cedar Point. I get to be here. I got the good end of the deal. See, if you think it matters about everybody else, if you think it matters about you, you're wrong. And do you guys see how simple it is to do a nativity if you guys don't matter? Do you guys see how simple that is? Sister Velvet, if we run out of food, it doesn't matter. Jesus has got it. If, if we were a corporation and we were worth billions and billions and billions of dollars, and, and, and I was the CEO and all of you guys were the, were the um, board members, and we had something that came up in it and, and, and we were going to be a few thousand dollars short... We got billions and billions and billions in the bank. How many of you think we say, what are we going to do? We would just simply make a decision and it would happen. How many of you think God's got more than billions and billions and billions? I mean, that's like pocket change to him. So I'm trying to tell you, let's just start doing things from victory. Let's battle in victory. Let's have a mental state of victory. Let's, let's understand it's unbiblical to not be victorious. It is, unvictor it is unbiblical to be defeated. Let's just do what God calls us to do, knowing we're on the winning side. You know, we, we read that, and I don't mean to go sidetrack here on, on a bad note, but we read that about principalities and powers, and, you know, people are all caught up today about what the government's doing and how bad the government is and, and all the things, and then the virus, and, and just all of the craziness in our world, and people don't know if they're men or women, and all the craziness that's going on in our world. All of that's, can I tell you, none of that matters. We have a job to do, and we can do that job no matter what Washington does. We can do that job no matter what our culture does. We can do that job no matter what COVID does. How many of you know that COVID came and Sandhill Church got better instead of got worse? I'm not hoping we have another COVID. I'm just saying it didn't stop us. How many of you know that things have happened in Washington that don't please God? But that didn't stop us. Is anybody getting this this morning? Is anybody getting this? We're winners. We're winners. We pray that this message has stirred your soul as you continue on for Christ. If you've been blessed by this sermon, we encourage you to share this podcast with others that we made together and embolden each other for the kingdom cause. To listen to Sandhill Sermons live, you can join us Sundays at 11 o'clock on Facebook and YouTube. You can also find additional content such as our Steadfast Studies podcast or the NOYC Godcast for youth 
provided by Sandhill for spiritual growth of all ages. These can be found at sandhillfwb.com or on all major podcast platforms. May God continue to richly bless your journey every step of the way.